had our ninth great-grandchild this last week, uh, a granddaughter, and uh, Sarah finally got her granddaughter. And uh, so whenever you think about having nine great-grandchildren, I mean, when your grandkids start having kids, that... uh, it's just something about that. And then you think about your grandchildren, and, uh, wow, I'll tell you, 44 years ago when I started this, uh, two days ago, in fact, two days ago, the 22nd of October is when I started preaching, 44 years now, I never uh, envisioned having the... Uh, well, at that point, I didn't know we was going to have that many children. I sure didn't know we was going to have that many grandkids. And I didn't know we was going to have any grandkids who could sing like Brandon does. And Amen. Brandon, God's given you a, a, a gift. Amen. And uh, you, you need to remember that and take care of yourself. Your body is a temple of the Holy Amen. Spirit. I'm not trying to just preach at you, son, but I'm telling you, God wants you to take care of yourself because God wants to use you, or he wouldn't give you a talent like that. Where's he at? (laughs) Take care of his body. Somebody tell him what I said. What? Yeah. Okay, open your Bibles to Ephesians chapter number 6. We're going to read the first three verses. Ephesians 6, we begin in verse number 1. The wonderful thing about the book of Ephesians, I'll tell you, it just, I mean, covers so much of life. And now we're in that section that deals with the subject of the family. In a few weeks we'll be in that subject that deals with spiritual warfare, and by the way, those two things are very closely related. Verse 1, chapter 6, children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor thy father and mother, which is the first commandment with promise, that it may be well with thee, and thou mayest live long on the earth. The other day I was looking through some old sermon notes where I had preached from these verses many years ago, and I noticed that the title of the message was Powders or Pleasers. Now, the word pleasers speaks about one who affords satisfaction. The word powder is one who thrusts out his lip in dissatisfaction. And uh, uh, we've got a lot of kids with that problem, pouting. And let's face it, uh, homes need help. I didn't say some homes, I said homes. All homes need help. And this text takes us all the way back to Exodus chapter number 20, where we find the Ten Commandments. And remember, in those Ten Commandments, the first four speak about our duty directly to God. In other words, our, our vertical relationship. The other six 
has to do with our relationship horizontally concerning other people. And the first one of these is honor thy father and thy mother. Now, before you kids start groaning and complaining, you need to understand how good you've got it. You need a lesson in history, and I can say a lot of things about that. But let me just use one example, and that's an example from Rome. Under Roman law, the father had absolute, total, complete power over his family. One commentator, remember the name of William Barclay, and you don't want to believe what he writes in regards to his notes on the Bible, but this man was an absolute brilliant historian. And uh, the, the, it's, it's worth the price of the books to get the historical information. And this is what he said about Rome back during those days. He said there was the custom of child exposure. When a child was born, it was placed before its father's feet. And if the father stooped and lifted the child, that meant that he acknowledged it and wished it to be kept. If he turned and walked away, it meant that he refused to acknowledge it and the child could quite literally be thrown out. That's the way it was back then. The institution of marriage had collapsed. Immorality was running wild, and men and women divorced on a regular basis. The children were unwanted. And Barclay goes on and explains that those unwanted children commonly were left at the forum for whoever to just pick up. And they were collected at nights. So somebody that wanted a child would just go down there at night, pick up a kid, take that kid and nourish it. Now, you think that's a good thing, but it's really not. Because in most instances, those who would go get those children and nourish them did so in order to sell them as slaves or to stock the brothels in Rome. Think about it, folks. These children were unwanted, abandoned, abused, raped, murdered, and nobody cared. That's the society that they lived in in that day. And let me tell you, we think about the children here. For example, those in some way associated with Lakeway Baptist Church. And the one that has the most difficult time has it a hundred times better than those children back then. Christianity has done more for women and more for children than anything else in all of the world. The gospel of Jesus Christ not only has saved men from their sins, but it's literally transformed societies. And so before you complain, you need to get on your knees and you need to thank God that you have it as well as you do. Now... With all of that in mind, let's look at the text. First of all, I want you to notice the relationship of which he speaks. The relationship has to do with children. Notice verse number one. It starts out with the word children. That particular Greek word that's translated children in the English here refers to the offspring of a couple, to their posterity, but... I want you to listen very carefully. It means more than that. 
It does not, this particular word does not necessarily mean a young child. The culture was such in those days that usually a child stayed in the home until they were married. And we're not going to go through all of that procedure, but in those days, you know, whenever a man was betrothed to a woman, they in one sense were legally married, a marriage that had been arranged by the parents. And and so uh, whenever the appointed time came, he would go to fetch his bride and bring the bride back to the father's house, and there they would have a glorious feast. But all during this time, they lived in the father's house, and if they were 20 years old, they were there in the house. Now, here's the point I'm trying to make. We've all heard that old saying, if you live under my roof, you're going to do as I say. And what I'm telling you is there's some justification for that. I mean, that's the way it was back then. And so when Paul says children, he's not talking about the little kiddos, you know, that are uh, four, five, and six years old. He's talking about any of the children in the family, most especially those that were still there in the home at that time, that they had a responsibility. And by the way, when we think about a responsibility to our parents, we have a responsibility all of the way to the grave. Sometimes we forget about that, you know, and we just think, oh, well, I'm grown now and I'm out on my own and I can, I can just forget mom and dad and so on and so forth. Well, you do, and you do so at your own peril, by the way, because you've got a responsibility to minister to your parents. Isn't it amazing? Whenever, you know, you give yourself to raise your children and you provide for them and, you know, do all of the things that's involved in parenting, and then all of a sudden, you know, they get out on their own and they've got their own family, and and in some instances you're treated like, you know, you just don't even exist. I want to tell you, that's a sin in the sight of God for you to treat your parents that way. Now, here's something else really interesting about this. Paul, notice, he says children. Do you notice here that Paul did not address the parents and admonish the parents to do this? Are you with me? He's not telling the parents, parents, you admonish your children. Now, he'll get to that in a minute. Who's he addressing? The children. Okay, what does that tell you? It tells you the children was present when this letter was being written. In other words, in those days and for centuries, by the way, the children were a part of the regular worship service. Now, I'm going to say some things, and I want you to listen carefully, because I don't want you to misunderstand. There's a place for children's church. And we have children's church. 
It was basically designed several years ago. You take back in the, in the 50s and the 60s, the churches had bus ministries, and we were bringing in kids, and the kids, mom and dad's not there, and uh, there's nobody to sit with them, nobody to correct them. We raised eight kids, and we did not depend on the nursery. We did not depend on children's church, and uh, they sat with their mother, and if they misbehaved, she took them outside, spanked the daylights out of them, brought them back in and set them back down. Now, the point I'm trying to make is these children back in those days were there as the letter was being written. Paul is addressing them. Now, did the children understand everything that Paul said? Why, well, of course not. Do you think the parents understood everything Paul said? Of course not. Do you understand everything Paul wrote about? Of course not. None of us understand it all. But the children learned it as they should from their parents while they were at home. A lot of churches got the idea today, if we don't have children's church, we just can't operate. And that's a bunch of hooey. We can operate just fine. Now, thank God that we've got children's church. We've got some capable workers there. And listen, they're there for a purpose. But I'm going to tell you flat out, and, and you know, this. I know these girls are doing their best and doing a great job. I can't think of anybody better to do what they're doing, and I'm proud of them and, and have no criticism whatsoever. I'm just telling you from a personal perspective if I'm raising my kids and they're five and six, seven years old, they're going to be right here in the auditorium. I want them to see what's going on in the adult service. Now, that's the way it was back then. That sounds like, like a pretty good pattern to me. Now, now, that being said, you send your children to children's church. Hey, that's between you and God. That's your business. I'm not criticizing you. I'm just trying to make a point because this point is is I, I've ne- never heard anybody make it from the pulpit anywhere. Warren Wiersbe's the only man I know of that's ever wrote about it and make a point in this regards that the children were present there, and that tells us those children have a place in the service just like anybody else. So this is the relationship that he's speaking about. Now notice the requirements. And Paul uses two different words to describe the child's responsibility. He uses the word obey and he uses the word honor. In other words, one has to do with actions, the other has to do with attitude. One word has to do with duty, the other word has to do with disposition. So let's look at the duty first, which is there in verse number 1, obey. Children, obey your parents. That word comes from a word that that means looking up or paying attention or taking heed. It's the same word that we get the English word acoustics from. We talk about, you know, the acoustics in the building are really good because, uh, you know, you can hear well or whatever. So it has to do with the matter of hearing. And by the way, a very, very important part of learning is hearing. Learning to listen. And if you, listen, young people, if you will learn to listen, you'll start out miles ahead of those kids that don't pay attention. A wise child will listen to their parents. 
something happens about, uh, well, about the seventh grade, with, it seems like with most of them, and they start thinking that they know more than mom or dad. Now, some of them start a little younger than that, but at some point it happens to all of them, and they think they know more than mom and dad. After all, I asked dad to help me with my math problems, and he doesn't know anything about new math, and he couldn't help me, so I must be as smart as he is. Well, let me tell you, just because you know some things about math, just because mom and dad's not as smart as a fifth grader in some areas, that does not mean that you shouldn't listen to them. They've got a lot more experience than you do, for one thing. And for another thing, there's nobody that loves you as much as mom and dad. They're not going to intentionally give you bad advice. You need to learn to listen. Listen with the intent of obeying. When I talk about obeying, we're talking about continuous obedience. This word obey is what is, is in what they call a present imperative. In other words, it means that our obedience is to be a lifestyle. It's to be what you do, not just obey them sometimes, but it is the direction of your life that habitually, on a regular basis, you obey your parents. It also implies that you obey them whether they're present or not. Just because mom and dad's gone doesn't mean you've got a license all of a sudden to let your hair down and do what you want to do. It ought to be continuous obedience. It ought to be complete obedience. That is to obey them in all things. Disobedience from anyone, from a child, mom, dad, or whoever, is a serious sin in the eyes of God. Turn in your Bibles all the way back to Deuteronomy chapter number 21. Deuteronomy chapter 21, we're talking about the matter of disobedience. And keep in mind that it's not just a matter of you being disobedient to your parents. It's a matter of you being disobedient to God. When you disobey your parents, you are disobeying God. Deuteronomy 21, verse number 18 says, If a man have a stubborn and rebellious son which will not obey the voice of his father or the voice of his mother, and that when they have chastened him, he will not hearken unto them, then shall his father and his mother lay hold on him and bring him out unto the elders of the city and unto the gate of his place, and they shall say unto the elders of the city, this our son is stubborn and rebellious. He will not obey our voice. He is a glutton and a drunkard, and all of the men of his city shall stone him with stones that he die. So shall thou put evil away from among you, and all Israel shall hear and fear. Now, I'm not going to try to explain God's actions in regards to that. I don't need to explain God. I'm reading that to make you understand the fact that although we do not live under the Old Testament law, we don't go around stoning our children to death, although we don't do that, understand that your disobedience is a sin worthy of death. Just like a lot of other sins that could be mentioned, by the way. In fact, the Bible speaks about it as being in the same, in the same category as witchcraft. And yet the average child will disobey their parents and never give it a second thought like, oh well, it's not a big deal. It is a big deal. 
Now, that's the duty. Notice the disposition. He says, obey your parents. But then he tells, look in verse number 2, that you are to honor them. That word honor means that you esteem. That is, that you value them, that you love them. In other words, to honor one's parents means that you show them respect and love, that you care for them so long as they have a need, that you seek to honor them by the way that you live. You see, God's not just concerned about what you do. He's concerned about why you do it. And a right act with a wrong attitude is hypocrisy. Young person, if you obey mom and dad just because you must, you're being hypocritical in your Christian faith. You are to obey them because it's the right thing to do. You are to obey them because this is the authority that God has put over you. And it's a shame the way some children speak about their parents. You have no right to be disrespectful of your parents, none whatsoever. That doesn't mean that they are deserving of it. That doesn't mean that they are honorable. It doesn't mean they're smart or any other thing. It means that you have a God-given responsibility to honor, to hold them in high esteem, to value them, even to minister unto them. What a different world it would be. How different it would be in our homes today if we just simply put into practice these simple precepts. Children, obey your parents and honor your parents. That's the duty. That's the disposition. That makes up the requirement of the relationship. Now look at the reason for it. Back to verse number 1. Paul says, For this is right. In Colossians chapter 3 and verse 20, Paul, speaking of the same subject, says, Children, obey your parents, notice, in all things, for this is well-pleasing unto the Lord. You see, we don't obey God just because it's the law. We should. But listen, we obey Him because it's the right thing to do. We shouldn't need any other reason whatsoever to obey God other than the fact, you know, that God said, this is what I want you to do. You don't need an explanation for that. God said it. Now, listen, it's not popular. But remember, tradition never nixes the Word of God. In other words, tradition never changes what God has already written. And believe me, people will use almost any kind of an excuse to try to get out of their responsibility over in Matthew, or let's use the example in Mark for here in chapter number 7, and he also speaks of it in Matthew. But in chapter number 7, there's a very brief account here. Chapter 7 and verse number 6. And he answered and said unto them, Well, hath Isaiah the prophesied of you hypocrites, as it is written, This people honoreth me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. Howbeit in vain do they worship me, teaching for doctrines the commandments of men, that is, tradition. For laying aside the commandment of God, ye hold the tradition of men, 
as the washing of pots and cups and many other such like things ye do. And he said unto them, Full well ye reject the commandment of God, that ye may keep your own tradition. Now listen very carefully. For Moses said, Honor thy father and thy mother, and whoso curseth father or mother, let him die the death. But ye say, If a man shall say... Now notice, this is what you say. This is your tradition... If a man shall say to his father or mother, it is Corban, that is to say a gift, by whatsoever thou mightest be profited by me, he shall be free, and ye suffer or allow him no more to do aught for his father or mother, making the word of God of none effect through your tradition which ye have delivered, and many such like things do ye. That word Corban simply means a gift, as the Bible says. And here was the tradition that if they went to mom and dad and maybe, maybe their parents were in need of financial assistance or whatever, or it might be that the, that the children had just, uh, uh, in some way made a lot of money. They've got ahead in life and, uh, but, they take what they got and they say, this is Corbin. This, this is a gift. In other words, this is dedicated to God. And so I can't give it to you. It's a cop-out's what it is. And, and trying to escape their responsibility, they use this tradition and would say, oh, that's Corbin. I, you know, I know that you have need, but, but, but that's already promised to God. Now, do you think for a minute they actually gave it to God? Of course not. They didn't give it to God. They just used the tradition to liberate themselves from the bondage of uh, the responsibility. And a lot of people do exactly the same today. They don't refer to the same custom, but they've always got an excuse. They've always got a reason why, you know, they can't help. Why, you know, they can't in some way minister to their parents. I don't think you ought to ever stop ministering to your parents. Family ought to support family. I can remember when Bev's mother was living and, and uh, whenever it was a yard that needed mowed or whatever, I, I, you know, I, I would you know, do whatever I could to help her. And I, I would not think for a minute. And I remember times that she had tried to pay me. Well, here, take this here, you know, for doing it. And, and uh, uh, well, I, I've, got, I've got to be careful what I save. Because in the past, not here, but somewhere else, family members had taken advantage of that and they'd do things for and then expect money for it and what have you. And let me tell you, that is a shame. Families to help family, you don't charge family members for doing them a favor. That's nonsense. So, the responsibility... As he said, is that we honor our parents, that we obey our parents. Now, notice the reward in verse 2 and 3. He says, whenever we do, he says, this is the first commandment with promise. The first commandment with promise. And that takes us again back to the Old Testament. The first commandment with promise. Well, what is the promise? The promise is actually twofold. And you'll notice that he says here in this that, number one, the promise has to do with longevity. In other words, there will be a prolonged life. You'll live longer. Let me share just a few verses with you. Ecclesiastes 
7 and verse 16 says, Why shouldest thou destroy thyself? Be not overmuch wicked, neither be thou foolish. Now listen to this. Why shouldest thou die before thy time? You see, it's possible for us to die prematurely. Solomon said in Proverbs 10:27, "The fear of the Lord prolongeth days, but the years of the wicked shall be shortened." And again and again, the Bible teaches that we can die a premature death. And one of the reasons that happens is that whenever we fail to honor and to respect and to support our parents, you mark it down, you're taking days off your life when you do that. The promise is that if you obey them, notice that you'll live long on the earth, long in comparison to whatever you would have lived had you been in rebellion. I'll never forget uh, the funeral service many years ago. I was passing in Tennessee and had a young man there by the name of Buddy, Buddy Moore. And Buddy was a fine young man. He'd just recently got his driver's license and... Uh, And I'll never forget whenever we received the news that Buddy had been involved in a horrible uh, car accident and he died. I I can remember talking to his mom and his dad and they they told me, as far as we know, this is the only time that Buddy ever lied to us. Now, (laughs) if you're a parent, you know that it probably had happened before, the lying part. But, you know, this first time he got caught, he and his buddy had gone out, and they were playing Starsky and Hutch. Some of you are old enough to remember that, you know, but they'd turned the lights out, and they were going down a country road, and I mean, they had it wide open. Well, they ended up spinning out, hit a telephone pole, and killed Buddy. Now, Had Buddy not lied to his parents, had Buddy been in obedience, had he not been doing what he was doing, he would not have got killed that night. Now, whenever we think about the matter of life and death, all of a sudden it really starts getting serious, right? It should. And we need to instill that in the minds of these young people. That whenever we encourage our young people to honor and obey their parents, it's not just because that we want to put them under our thumb. We're looking out for their welfare. So, there is prolonged life, but notice... In verse 3, not only a prolonged life, but a prosperous life, he says, and that it may be well with thee. That word well means good, beneficial, or prosperous. And it's another way of saying that we reap what we sow. If you want God's best for your life, then you must live a life of obedience to the Lord. I remember reading the story of George Washington, and here he is, a young man, and he's getting ready to go out to sea. And his mother discovered what he was going to do, and she expressed her concern and expressed her desire that she didn't want him to go out to sea. There wasn't any command on her part whatsoever. She just didn't want him to go. But when George Washington learned of the desire of his mother, he decided not to go. 
In other words, there's no command, son, you're not going to go. There was just a wish. And her wish was his command. Young people, you ought to have that attitude toward your parents. They shouldn't have to nail you down to the floor, as it were, on every issue and force you to do everything. Just knowing that your mom and dad want you to do something ought to be enough to motivate you to live a life of obedience. And notice, not only does it prolong your days, but it also has prosperity with it. When I think about the precepts that God gives, it seems to me, and I could be wrong, but it seems to me that for every precept, there is at least one example given in the Bible. Have you ever noticed that? God says, you know, here's the law. This is what I want you to do. And somewhere in the Bible, He gives us an example of what it's all about. And I think if we... Talk about this matter of obeying your parents. The first thing that comes to my mind is Isaac in Genesis chapter 22. You know the remarkable story. God says to Abraham, I want you to take your son, your only son, up on Mount Moriah, and I want you to offer him up as a sacrifice. You think serving God's always easy? Think about that. And, you know, I've got to admit, God's never asked me to do anything nearly that difficult. And sometimes we give Abraham all of the credit. And keep in mind, at this point, Isaac is a young man, and Isaac could have resisted. I mean, you've got to know that somewhere along the line, he's getting the picture. I mean... Here's his dad, and here's the wood, and here is the knife, and here, you know, the father and the son, and here they go. And it comes time for that point for him to lay down on that altar. And in absolute, total submission to his father, Isaac lays down just waiting for the moment until the knife plunges into his body and takes his life. Boy, that's, listen, that is extreme. To think about a young man willing to go that far just because his father said, this is what I want you to do. But it illustrates. Now listen, if your mom or dad ever tells you, I'm going to kill you, in the first place they probably don't mean it. It's just an expression of speech. But if you think they really mean it, you come and get me because we got some serious problems and I need to talk with them. But the point is, when you know what your parents want you to do, you ought to be willing to do it mainly because God says, this is what I want you to do. This is your responsibility. A lot of times whenever kids start growing up and they'll start using this statement. Well, I want to be treated like an adult. Stop treating me like I'm a little kid. All right? You start acting like an adult. You quit acting like a little kid, and you'll get some respect. And one of the things about growing up is that you assume responsibility. You see, nobody is free to do as they please. And those who think they're going to try it, sooner or later end up in prison. 
None of us have a right to live as we please. All of us are under some kind of authority. And for you as a child, it is your parents. Now, I could add one other thing here, and I'll just mention it. Not only does it mean a prolonged life and a prosperous life, but we could say, by implication, it is a proper life. If you're old enough to be saved, if you're here and you've received Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, it ought to be the desire of your heart to please God in everything you do. And I'll bet if I ask the question, all of you kids that want to please God with your life, would you raise your hand? I'll bet you every kid in here would raise their hand and say, yeah, that's what I want. I want to please God. Well, if you do then you better start listening to what God says concerning your relationship to your mother and your father. Because you have an awesome responsibility to line up under the authority that God has put over you. And believe me, when you do, you'll not regret it. We reap what we sow If you sow the seeds of rebellion, you're going to reap the whirlwind of trouble. But if you're willing to honor your parents and obey your parents, give them the proper respect that God requires from you, you mark it down, you're going to live longer than you would have. And you'll be more prosperous than you would have. The songwriter wrote that song, It Pays to Serve Jesus. Well, I'll tell you, it sure does. It pays every day. It pays every way. And so when God gives us these instructions, it's not just because that God's wanting to impose His will upon us. It's because God knows this is what's best for us. Remember, God's will is not only right, it's best. It's not only best, it's safest. It's always right. Always best, always safest to just do what God would have you to do. You learn to do that in the home, and I'll guarantee you it'll help you get through life in every other relationship and area of your life. Just learning to submit yourself to the authority that God has placed over you. And young people... I pray that you'll do that. I pray that you'll follow the example of your parents, that you'll listen to their admonition and submit yourself to their will. Why? Because the Bible says that's the right thing to do. Father, how we thank you, Lord, for the parents that care enough about their children that they provide not only the material things of life, but parents that are here tonight that provide for their children, that bring them to church, and that encourage them to read Your Word, and that really try to set a good example before them. And I pray tonight that You'll speak to the heart of our young people and how we thank You for them. We think they're absolutely wonderful in comparison to the world. These young people are just great. But... They're just young people. And we know that life is a very difficult struggle for them. 
And Lord, we know that uh, Satan would like nothing better than to get them in his clutches and to deceive them and ultimately destroy them. And I pray tonight that they'll see this seriousness of, of honoring and obeying their parents. And if they've been failing in that area, that tonight that they might make it right. And Heavenly Father, I pray for each family represented here this evening. We've been talking about the mothers and the fathers and now the children. And, and Lord, we know that it'll take a miracle, an absolute miracle, for our families to succeed. And we just pray tonight that each and every one of us might commit our ways into your care and trust you, depend upon you to supply our needs in this regard. Give us wisdom. Give us strength. Help us to learn to love one another unconditionally, just like you loved us. For we ask it in Jesus' name. While we stand and as we sing tonight, young person, it might be you need to go to mom or dad, or it might be you just need to come up here and get on your knees. You don't have to say anything to me and just say, Lord, I'm so sorry. I've been stubborn. I've been rebellious against my parents. I haven't honored them as I should. Please forgive me of my sin while we sing. To be like Jesus, to be like Jesus, my Does anyone have a word, maybe an announcement, a prayer request we don't know about, or any such thing? Anyone? Mike? Robin Virtue. And what? Okay, will do. All righty. Okay, anybody else before we dismiss? All right, well, let's bow our heads together. Russell Rhodes, would you lead us in prayer tonight, please?